Get personal with loyalty, where we're discussing using loyalty to deliver personalized, relevant customer experiences. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I am Erin Reese, your host. And today I'm here with Andrianne Rondeau from Strat LX. She's the founder of the organization and their loyalty consultancy out of Canada. Welcome, Andrian. Hi, good morning, Erin. Thanks a lot for having me today. We're so thrilled to have you. Excited for today's conversation. Let's get started. I don't really know your story. How did you get started in loyalty? And how did you get so passionate about it? And then I'd love to hear how, how you then became an entrepreneur. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah, so I've been in the loyalty for about 20 years now. I'd say that very early in my career, um, I was involved in, in CRM positions. Back then, uh, you probably remember back then we were referring to as direct marketing. Uh, Even I I come from a degree uh, that's more oriented towards communication. But right away when I started working in CRM, I fell in love with the fact that everything is measurable. We would do multiple versions of a direct mailer, of self-mailer, to test and learn how customers uh, would react and how they converted to the different messages and offers small thing in the creative or small thing in the offer could have a huge impact on the revenue and on the conversion. And I know that today it seems like so simple and every brands are testing and all that, but back then it was slightly different. So anyway, I, I worked in direct marketing on the retention side for a few years, which was close to loyalty. And then I got an opportunity to join a small startup that was launching a new loyalty platform. And this is really when I I got into loyalty. So I led the consulting services there for a few years until we sold the technology. And then a few years after, that's when I founded Stratelix, which is, uh, like you said, a consulting agency. We're offering strategic and operational support in the design of loyalty program and the implementation, optimization of it, but also in developing the business case related to it to make sure that it's profitable. So we work from in, in different uh, various sector, helping companies to build profitable, lasting relationship with their customer. So that's pretty much it. That's was, that was five years ago. And that's pretty much how um, I've been in the loyalty space for 20 years. Wow. Congratulations. I, I love your story. And as you were talking about direct mail, I remember I started my career at Hyatt Hotels and it was a long, long time ago. It was before the internet (laughs) or before the internet, the way we know it and before email. And we were trying to do a Rogers and Peppers book was out and and people were talking about one-to-one marketing and we were trying to do direct mail that was personalized. We were Mm -hmm. putting surveys in hotel rooms to ask people uh, I was in the resort division, so we wanted to send people on vacation. So we'd ask the business traveler, where do you want to go on vacation? What do you like to do when you're on vacation? When do you like to go? And we had to create blocks of copy based on each one of those characteristics. And then we put it together. And oh, my gosh, back then it was such an undertaking yes. <laughs> to try to do it. But it, it's it's interesting that this isn't a new concept, this personalization that we keep talking about. No, definitely not. It's been it's been there for decades. It's been there for for years, and it's been so challenging for companies for such a long time now. And you're talking about uh, that example, and and I, I remember pretty much the same. And I remember early 2000, we were doing direct mailing, 
and then we were testing email <laughs> and see how it increased conversion. And we were doing emails only to the customers with the highest lifetime value because it was really expensive then. But yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's interesting how it has evolved. Yeah. It, yet the conversation still kind of remains the same. It, it seems we talk a lot about customers' expectations. And probably back then, maybe we didn't have the same expectations of 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 personalization. But today, when we're giving businesses our data, we as consumers are really trying to up the game a bit, I guess, and and pushing businesses to to do more. I guess to that point, we know that organizations are saying, if we look at reports of CMOs and where their priorities are, personalization is always a top five priority. And when it's done that way, I look at those reports and I'm like, okay, personalization. But do we know how the CMO is really defining personalization? Is that better customer experiences? Is it personalized emails? I mean, what's your take on that? And and how do how would you define personalization or how are your clients defining it? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It can depends a lot on how how you define it. But I think that um at the end, personalization, everything comes down to tailoring. You need to tailor whatever you're delivering to the customer or to an individual or a specific group. And it can be the product that you're delivering. It can be the service, the communication, can be an offer or even experiences as well. But it's closely linked to the emotional side of the relationship um, because Personalization will leverage data, and when we use data inside to tailor the experience and the message, we can we can definitely build like a deeper connection with the customers, and we can build a long-term loyalty. I think that personalization in the relationship is what makes the customer feel special, because when it's well done, they may not even realize that it was personalized, but they will feel recognized. And that is the magic that happened, basically. What I find as well when you when you talk about definition of, of personalization is that most of the time when we think of personalization, we think of delivering emails and communication and offers. This type of, of personalization definitely leverage transactional data for most part. But I think there's other ways of delivering personalization. And you can think of content, for examples above the offer, above the communication. Content comes next to me because, yes, it leverages transactional data, but it, it also leverages all other types of behavioral data. It leverages the preferences um, of customers uh, that they may have shared with the brand. We can think of having ideas for a trip that is customized to us. We can think of a grocery store, for example, that would be sharing, I don't know, recipes, ideas, and personalizing it based on dietary preferences. The challenge is sometimes it may take a, a while to understand from the data the, the customer preferences. So we can ask as well, and this is where sometimes company, they don't know where to start, but we can ask for customer preferences, ask them early in the relationship so we can start personalizing early in the relationship. And of course, as we learn more on the customer, then we'll have more details on their preference and, and then we can we can build on it. The other way as well, where I see personalization rising a lot is in the loyalty experience. 
and you think you can think for example of how members can earn points or how they will choose to spend their points for example which reward they will get historically there's a lot of loyalty program especially in retail i would say that was purely transactional you would earn you know one or 10 points per dollar 100 points will give you five dollars off or ten dollars off and it's true, it's the foundation of loyalty for most for, for most program, and there's nothing wrong with it. But I think that we need to go beyond that. And now brands are innovating, customer expecting more. So there's so many ways, diverse ways of rewarding for non-buying activities and building the relationship through these actions that range from, you know, things like referring friends and sharing information, completing surveys and quizzes or I don't know, we've seen sports brand recognizing and rewarding having healthy habits and and, and um, doing sports, for example, or insurance companies as well. So those are great ways and great examples, I think, to engage and reward customer in a more personalized way that is aligned with the brand value because it's it's unique to you. It's you're not rewarding transaction, but you're rewarding action that customers are taking with your brand that is specific to your brand so we sometimes forget about this but i think it's a huge opportunity to deliver an experience that is unique to each brand and meaningful to the customer it can be very personalized and it's not like everybody does it so let's do it kind of thing because it needs to be unique to the value proposition of your brand You said so many amazing things there. (laughs) I'm trying to take notes and keep up because there's a a lot I think we can unpack and and dig into. Perhaps to starting with where you just ended around the, you have to be unique to each brand and tying that to the data collection. Because when you you started the conversation, you're talking about using the personalized data to make people feel recognized. And my head went to, okay, great. Well, how do I collect the data? And that's kind of where we ended up. When you have a loyalty program, people give you consent. It is a two-way value exchange at its core. Fair? Yeah. So we're, by using loyalty, we have a foundation to be able to collect data. And Perhaps brands who are just starting out are going to ask for emails, your name, maybe gender information or something very general. How how do you help coach the brand to collect the information that goes beyond that's going to allow you to get more personal? And how do you really dig into understanding what's unique? I mean, the grocery example is near and dear to my heart. I love it. Of course, you're, why not ask for dietary information? And there's so many people that have dietary constraints or, or, or choices today. And that just, that to me seems like a no brainer, but our, it doesn't seem like grocers are thinking about it. Um, companies that are, to your point, maybe selling sporting equipment, is it as easy? Um, is it around what activities they like to do, their families they like to do? How, how do you coach them and how do you help identify what those right points should be or the, yeah. for data collection? Um, it's, a, it's a very good question because I think that you need to first understand or first define, I, I should say, yeah, you need to first define what what you want to achieve, what type of 
unique proposition you have for your customers and then take it from there. It's not a one size fits all approach kind of thing. (laughs) You, um, so you need to think about how you want to personalize the loyalty experience throughout all touch points, through the whole journey, uh, whether it's with CRM, with all the communication, whether it's the way you earn or redeem, you need to define what's unique in, in, in the experience you want to provide. Um, whether in store or when you're browsing online. And then from there, you can start asking customer what they want based on that. Because we need to make sure um, that when we ask as a brand for data, that this data will be leveraged to enhance the relationship, to enhance the experience that I have with the brand. Otherwise, it can be, it can create a lot of deception, basically. So you need to think of that first. And then it's a it's a team effort. Having a data strategy, starting personalization is not just a marketing initiative. It will definitely involve the IT team, it will involve the BI team, data management, it will involve even your customer service. And why not your employees in stores as well, or uh, customer-facing employees? so that you capture what is needed, what are the customer expectation, and then from there you can you can start small and build on it. Again, lots of things that you got me thinking about as you were as you were talking. Curious on the data collection side, do you ever recommend or do you see companies asking different questions to different segments of of the population? So if you know somebody's buying maybe certain products based on that product set, asking them different questions, or or do companies tend to ask questions that just relate more back to the brand to begin with? Once again, depends what you want to achieve, but yes, no, definitely you can ask different questions based on different segments. The customer that is highly engaged with your brand uh, will be willing to share more information about their preferences and about their lifestyle even than a new customer or than an occasional customers. So definitely you can adapt the same way you will adapt the frequency of communication that you will adapt the type of rewards in a a loyalty program that you will offer based on the different segments, you will definitely adapt what you're asking customers as well. Definitely align with this when you say we can ask different information to customers because there's a lot to learn. And the more you share, the more I will get a personalized, a personalized uh, uh, experience. So I, I think that you can, you can go on and for high frequency, um, highly engaged customers start asking what are their other favorite brands? What do they like in terms of lifestyle, like events and sports? And, and if it's related, then you can tie back to your brand and hence the relationship, yeah, you can definitely ask for it. And when you ask people, so I'm going to get into kind of how how you do it, do you ask them all at once or do you ask them over a period of time? Like, do you kind of just do like little breadcrumbs <laughs> throughout their experience and, and you try to do it in, I guess, more of an interactive kind of fun way? 
Yeah. And is that again more preference for the brand and the type of customer it is? No, I think there's there probably a rule there or unwritten rule where you should not ask for too much at once. Um, I always make a bit of a joke of when you sign up for either a newsletter or you join a loyalty program, you're not filling out your income statement. You know, it, it needs <laughs> to be light. So you only want to ask the minimum information to start the relationship and then you build you know, a relationship, whether it's with a brand or individual, is built on trust. And before I share too much information, you need to build that trust. So you can start small, ask for minimum information like the email, like you said, definitely the opt-in is one thing that you need to capture right from the start. Right. <laughs> email, name, you know, there's some information that you can ask if it's relevant, for example, in to ask for their birthday because you're having a, a birthday gift in your as part of your loyalty program, then it makes sense. But definitely you start small and then you can, as part of your onboarding process, start asking for questions about their preferences. I think that an, an idea that comes, an example that comes to mind is Sephora that does a really great job at this. You join with email and opt-in and that's it. And then during the onboarding process, they will ask for your preferences in terms like skin type. They will ask for your beauty routine and, and then grow slowly and ask slowly throughout your journey to learn more. So, no, don't go and ask too much right from the beginning. It may feel a little bit overwhelming for the customer. You need to build that trust. You need to gain the trust and then slowly start asking for more. And, and you said it, like gamifying this through quizzes, rewarding surveys and things like this. It's always uh, it's always more fun as well to share information when you know you have something in return. Yeah, I think that that's that's wonderful. I think I've shared this before, but I had a uh, experience with Neiman Marcus. Actually, they came and they claimed they were putting me into a special VIP program that I got six months for free. And then I said, okay, sure, let me go check this out. This sounds cool. And they put me through a series of questions and it was all at once. And I didn't actually mind the length there because they set it up where it felt like I was getting something special from that. But one of the things they did that I thought was interesting and just want to get your take on it is it wasn't just a, a question like North Face will ask you what outdoor activities do you like and you can select from the different ones. They served up images and to which image do you relate to? So there would be, I don't know, a, a businesswoman walking along the street then, and then the next one would be a leisure active runner or something and, and you could click on as many as you wanted. And then some of it were just destinations like, oh, here's a beach, here's a ski hill, here, here's <laughs> you know, whatever. And and just so they were trying to understand, I guess, who who I was. And the imagery was was kind of interesting. Just kind of curious if you've seen anything like that. And and it, it seems like a lot more science would need to go on in the background with that. Yeah, definitely. But I love that example. I've, I've never seen that, honestly, but um, I, I love the example because it within a single image, you can tell a lot about the person because you said like if it's a businesswoman, 
an image or or something more leisure or somebody running, for example, then you skip all those questions about, you know, what's your favorite sports and what's your where do you work and where do you live and all of that. So in within one single image or a few image, you can tell a lot because you have a lot of concept behind those images. And it feels maybe a little bit less intrusive as well as you answer those because it's it's fun. You're clicking on images that represent yourself. So it's kind of interesting because you're sharing a lot in there without having you know the heavy form of click 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 uh, so so it's I, I actually really like that example i may uh, i may even use it <laughs> I, I, i'll have to see if i still have the link uh, and see if i can send it over to you if it'll work it was fun and but then you started to analyze because you knew who was asking and so there was a picture of somebody i don't know reading a book under a tree and then you look at what they're wearing and you're like okay is it about what they're wearing or is it about the activity? <laughs> like which yeah, do I mean, like? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you may. Yeah, there's that. There's the challenge of do you identify like physically or in terms of fashion or in terms of yeah, with all that is in the image. That's true. That it can be. Uh, it can be definitely uh, a bit more challenging in this sense as well. And why have you identified? That's that's true why have you identified to this person you know so there's a lot that can be behind this so you said there's probably lots of science behind all that but i think it in some way it can be a, a nice uh, gamified way of uh, of capturing data but once again it needs to be it needs to be used so it needs to be leveraged you don't want to ask just for asking and it needs to be transparent as well because if when you start uh, answering and clicking on those images, you were wondering why are they asking this or why right. are they, then then it can uh, be negative and the experience can come a little bit edgy, I would say, because you still need to gain the trust and you still need to be transparent about how you will use that information. So there's two sides to it, I would say. I think that that's key and that's super important. Because, yeah, you are giving them a lot of information. It's kind of fun while you're doing it. But after the fact, it's like, OK, now what? Now, now where's my good stuff? <laughs> yeah. And if exactly. they're not delivering it, then that's you took all that time and effort up front. And, and now you may have turned a really great experience into a poor one where you could have done nothing and maybe actually had a, a happier customer at the end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is interesting. So you also mentioned to do personalization and you're going to collect all this data. If you send the marketing team, you're going to need a lot of support of the rest of the company yes. in order to do this well. The loyalty team is typically found in marketing. But what other areas within the organization are needed when you're working to put together programs like this? And I, you know, my mind goes to an analytics team. And I know earlier you had mentioned support from different areas. So I just wanted to dig into that a little bit as to who who needs to be on that cross-functional team in order to help or, or in order to ensure that the program is, is effective. Yeah, there's a much larger uh, team, like it's cross-functional, like you said, that needs to be involved now when you start a loyalty program and personalization program. The loyalty team or the CRM team is key in there and the analytic team as well, because they will bring all of the insight. Um, but there's there's impact on all aspects of, of the company. And the IT team will also be important because 
you can capture a lot of data and all that data can live in silo. And that's what we see with a lot of companies. It's challenging for small, but even for large businesses to uh, centralize their data. So this is where the IT team will obviously comes to hand as well, because they need to plan for this. And there's everything that's related to data security as well. But over and above all that technical stuff that needs to happen with the data and the data security and the centralization of data, you need to get the, the right uh, I'd say insight. There's the data analyst, but you need to get insights on the customer. So your customer service team is key in there as well, because on a daily basis, they speak to customer and they hear they're the voice of your customer. Basically, it's the same for customer facing employees. They speak to a customer and they hear what their expectations are as well. So I think it's key to always involve those teams in the delivery or in the planning of any personalization program and any loyalty program. They bring insight and they bring answers that you will not get otherwise. The other area as well, I think that is key, is your product team. At the beginning, it, it may sometimes it get challenged when we say bring the product team to the table because they say, well, why? Well, because they will earn, they will first learn a lot about the customer insight and they know a lot about the product as well. So they can be involved to personalize the product. And I say product or product and services, but they can they can bring a lot to the table when we start thinking about how do we customize some of the offering because they know so well the product and and there's all that that's another area but there's everything that can be monetized in terms of data as well and the product team will be key into this as well into the data monetization leveraging with with the different teams internally thank you it takes a village. Yeah, <laughs> it, it a, does. It takes the whole <laughs> company for it to to really work well. And I think that we've all heard it. There's a lot of noise out in the space when we talk about loyalty. Some people react very positively and some people will react more negatively because I think that a lot of people will think, oh, loyalty means discounts. It means transactional. And everything that we've talked about here today is really elevating, I guess, your program, but also your customer experience by using a loyalty strategy to collect the data necessary to be able to deliver better experiences and to really elevate the brand through that. And a lot of times why people, I think, think about loyalty in a negative way is because loyalty and the loyalty data tended to be very siloed as well. So it was very transactional, it was very siloed, and and maybe it was kind of a fulfilling prophecy that way, because if the data wasn't shared, there was only limited amount that the program could actually do. And in today's world, with all the digital transformation, the data can flow better. And when we're thinking about it the way you are and the way you're advising your clients to be more strategic, more engaging, more customer focused, we're able to really have loyalty be a part of the rest of the organization and really part of all marketing efforts, really integrated throughout, I guess. So I'm thinking if there's a website, on your website, there shouldn't be just 
a login to know what your loyalty points are, you should be able to see loyalty throughout. So if you're earning points on purchases, what is it? If you could redeem points for purchases, what does that look like? Very basic example, but it, it seems like we're we're kind of finally to this point that we can really be elevating. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And loyalty has been there for many years, definitely. And 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 in the recent years, and I say it, I, I think specifically since since the well pandemic was was huge and in, in for this, but everything that's related to digital transformation, uh, we see a growing interest from companies of all sectors. And uh, it's funny because last time we chat, uh, and I noted that you told me that we finally have our moment in the sun, and I loved it because I thought <laughs> it was so true. <laughs> when we're launching, when a brand is launching or revamping an existing loyalty program, we see we see the personalization and we see the emotional component growing um, as part of it. And I think that. One of the key reasons for this is that brands and companies, they're no longer competing just for product and services. What we see right now is they're competing for the customer's attention. They're thinking for their trust and for their data. And loyalty can definitely help in all three aspects. And that starts with transparent data collection. Because, like I said, we've seen an increase in e-commerce and digital engagement. And I think that if we look back, the context of the pandemic and the economy was so that the customer had money to spend in the, in the last few years. In many sectors, the demand of, of consumers was even higher than what brands could deliver. But today we're witnessing a bit of a change in situation. So there's the inflation. We're talking about recession. And customers are being more hesitant about their spend and definitely more conscious about their spend. So this is where I think that loyalty program can contribute definitely to keeping customers engaged with brands. But at the same time, it's interesting because it allows company to avoid the discounting trap. You were talking about discounting a bit earlier. And that's that, that's true. You know, every day it's true, but it's especially true in the current economic. Uh, situation because business may be a little bit slower in some cases. You don't want to give it too much mar- margin. And a loyalty program, a loyalty strategy and personalization program is a much more sustainable business model than anything you can have that's related to discounting and heavy discounting. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you just said there it, is just it's so spot on, and, and I think it's a really great way for us to wrap. Competing today, we're competing for customers' attention and for their trust, and and then utilizing loyalty the right way, the way that we've been talking about it, allows for a more sustainable business model, and and for a lot of reasons, it's making the customer feel close, more closely bonded to the the brand. And, and done well, we didn't really touch on this, but we're in theory making the customer's life easier too. If we're yep. serving on things that are very relevant, they don't have to be asking the questions. They don't have to go dig on our site to figure out what they want or find what they want. We're being more proactive in, in serving that up. And, and, um, and so we're saving them time, money and effort just by being personal. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that 
yeah, really, really great way. I'm not summing it up nearly as well as you said it or as eloquently, but uh, that that was that was fabulous. Is there anything else as we're as we're wrapping up here that you would like to share? Anything that or any last bit of guidance for brands who are, are digging into this? Because we all know it's super easy to talk about, but it's a lot harder to get done. It is. It is definitely a lot harder. I think the one thing that I will say it's it's about transparency. There's a there is a lot of challenge right now with the new regulation on data privacy with how uh, we can use that. So I think that being transparent is key in there. Customers they are aware that their data is being used and they're expecting more out of it, but they're expecting to understand how it's being used. So what I think that organization must be sensitive to when they start a loyalty program or when they start any personalization initiative is what data they're asking customers to share. You may, we were referring to earlier, you may want to capture as much data as possible, but with very limited capability to, to use it. So I think that that's key. The, the tra- transparency is key. So it is definitely like common knowledge I, that if I'm being identified with a loyalty ID at the time of purchase to earn point, that you will track my purchases. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, and I'm sure you've had this experience as well, uh, where you've been talking about a product to a friend or your partner <laughs> at home, and then suddenly your phone is bombarded with advertising and uh, about this product and to me this is definitely not cool definitely not fun and not (laughs) what I prefer as being transparent it it is definitely creepy and something that I think we'll see brand move away from and I hope we'll see brand move away from because yes when you have the data you have the power to own the relationship with the customer you can influence a lot in the relationship with the customer, but you also have the responsibility to gain and maintain their trust once again. That, that's that's key to me. Yeah, you've said it a lot. So definitely one of the things to take away is, is trust. And in, it's fundamental to any relationship. You need that transparency, you need the trust. And especially in today's world where our customers are so savvy about the data they're giving and they expect it. And I think that begs then as you get started, crawl, walk, run, because yeah. you don't need to collect all the data you can possibly collect on somebody. You can, as you referenced, like with the Sephora, do it in stages. And that way you can test and learn. You can take this in, you can try some things, and then you can build upon it over time. So you definitely don't have to start and, and try to boil the ocean to get started. No, definitely not. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, terrific. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, one last thing, how can people get a hold of you if they'd like to to chat further? Well, they can definitely, uh, I guess, visit our website, strutalex.com. They can also simply reach in by email at andrianatstrutalex.com. And I'll definitely be uh, happy to set up a call and discuss loyalty. Terrific. I encourage everyone to. She's got a lot to say. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Get Personal with Loyalty. Join us next time for more loyalty insights. Until then, dare to dream.
Let Annex Cloud help make your dreams a reality. Visit AnnexCloud.com. See you soon.